What is up, freaks? It's your boy Marty Bent here on a Thursday afternoon for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. We have a guest in the studio for this week, but before we introduce our guest, let's introduce our sponsors. This week's edition of Rabbit Hole Recap is brought to you by Unchained Capital. You freaks know all about them. Their uh, their vault problem, the vault problem, vault uh, solution that they just released, the two or three multi-sig vault. Um, you guys can use Treasure or Ledger with that. You control two or three keys at all time if you ever need unchained to come in and uh sign that third key or that second key for you they can come in they also have uh their loan uh platform as well so if you're established on the vaults uh you'll easily be able to get liquidity in the future uh via loan uh right now if you sign up by going to www.unchained-capital.com vaults uh, you're going to get three free months of safe adina mooses the bitcoin standard research bulletin that's three free months of a very qual Research Bulletin. This episode is also brought to you by the Cash App. You freaks know all about it. They're helping to stack sets every Saturday. Uh, they're the first P2P a payments app to institute Bitcoin buying on the app. Uh, it's a very seamless process. You can buy and send uh, to your personal wallet pretty quickly after buying. Um, they also have the Boost program and their cash card. My favorite boost is the coffee shop. I actually used it this morning, saved a dollar. On this expensive ass Brooklyn coffee, I ran out of the concentrate that I've been using and had to go buy some. And luckily, Boost was there to help me save a dollar. So go download the Cash App and start stacking sats today uh, at the Apple App Store or Google Play Store. Gentlemen, the price of Bitcoin is uh, $6,044.72. We're currently at block. Waiting, waiting, waiting. 575293 uh, Binance got hacked at block 575,013. Before we get to that, we got to introduce Murad Mamadov, uh, founder of Adaptive Capital, is back in the studio with us. Murad, welcome back. Thank you so much for having me, guys, once again. My favorite show. Happy to be here again uh, and talk to the boys. Yes, yeah, so we are officially 270 blocks away from the Binance hack. Hawk, hack. Hawk. I think that was the best fast math I've done on this podcast in a while. Uh, so let's talk about it. Binance was hacked of 7,049 Bitcoin, I believe. Uh, 7,000 and change Bitcoin a couple of afternoons ago. Uh, there's been a lot of hoopla uh, on the internet and on, uh, on Twitter in particular because CZ, the CEO of Binance, came out and basically nonchalantly said that they thought about rolling back the chain, the Bitcoin blockchain, coordinating with miners to roll back the chain to solve this issue. Obviously, they did not go forward with that, but it caused quite a stir. Um, other things to think about with this incident in particular, they had the, the Safu Fund, uh, which is covering the losses. So there's a lot to talk about which in this. Which is denominated in b I'm pretty sure. Is it? Well, there's a lot to talk about this subject. Let's just start. Uh, initial reactions, gentlemen. Uh, I'll let you take the floor. They, there was, first of all, the price is over $6,000 right now, right? Yes. That's awesome. Okay. Um, I, the, the hack was of their hot wallet. They intentionally, you know, segregated their wallets as is like common practice now after so many previous exchange hacks we've had. So I think it was 7,047 Bitcoin were taken. Yes. Um, and that was basically their entire hot wallet got drained. Uh, but that was only 2% of their holdings. So intentionally, the way everything was designed, it worked as designed. So even though all their safeguards, all their measures got compromised, 
the ultimate safeguard, which was segregating the wallets into hot and cold, um, protected them in, in, in that regard. The second thing is, is that the real most ridiculous part of this whole thing is at the point when CZ was discussing it, it was already too late. No way he was going to be able to pull it off. Like he was discussing it three hours later, five hours later. Like it was way, way too late. Like if, if you wanted to do something like this and like actually be successful at doing it, you would you would need to do it pretty much right away. The longer you wait, the the less likely it becomes. So before we get into like the whole uh, rollback slash double spend solution, let's talk about the hack in particular. A lot of people hinting, not hinting, but speculating that it might be an inside job because the way uh, that these bitcoins were moved out of the wallet, uh, they were moved to uh, BEC32 addresses when Binance's API is, isn't supporting that yet. So the speculation is it may be somebody in-house that was able to route around that particular uh sort of hurdle i i don't i don't know if that necessarily points to it being an inside job um but with these hacks a lot of times they are inside jobs it's always the most likely thing to be um what was interesting was that most of so the funds went to like four non-segwit addresses and then the rest were segwit addresses so some people are speculating that maybe the way that Binance's safeguards were set up to to verify their withdrawals, they weren't actually even looking at SegWit addresses, which could be a thing, but I, I don't know if that necessarily points to inside job or not inside job. And then the other thing is a lot of people think it was basically through a compromise of, of their API key. So a bunch of users who they're able to automate the connection to the exchange through that API. If all those keys are compromised, you can do like a mass withdrawal at once. Yes, so that's the speculation around it. And all right, so let's jump into the reorg and slash double spend that people have been talking about for for the last twenty four hours. I think, um, in general, this is a permissionless system, of course. But in general, CZ suggesting something like that like that is a little bit untoward, uh, in my view, um, not in the best taste. But in general, I think. It's definitely a conversation to be had. I think it's good that a lot of people had sort of a brief lesson in game theory yesterday. Um, financially speaking, every 10 minutes, something like is, is getting more and more expensive for them to do something like that. Frankly, I, I think it's not something that can be done at this point. But um, I think in the future, uh, with the declining block rewards, this is definitely going to be a topic that will probably be revisited a couple more times going forward. And um, I think like proportionally speaking with the with the, the block rewards declining as the percentage of revenue of miners uh, revenue, um, it's likely that something like this sort of is going to return to the table of discussion. But um, if like I kind of share Matt's opinion here, if like a reorg of this sort or, or the quote unquote bribing miners happens like in the first two or three blocks or like right after something like that happened then it's like a manageable situation and probably something to be expected like a decade from now but um at the moment i don't think i think this is a little other than concern 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 trolling yeah you know it it got it all started i think through concern trolling that that caught the eye of cz so we put this idea in cz's head 
and he hadn't really fleshed it out yet. But if he was actually a properly informed actor, I would say that he would have realized ahead of time, and now he definitely realizes, and now all the other exchange operators realize, that just mentioning it is a risky move as someone who has a major stake in Bitcoin success. Like, in, like CZ doesn't want the Bitcoin price to go down. He, Binance will be, would be fucked if, if Bitcoin got fucked. Like, like they would just, their whole business would go down the shitter. So, so he even, even suggesting that can hurt that and can hurt that value that he has and, and actually trying to go through with it would hurt it even more. And that's why most actors never would. And even if he did at that point, he would need an overwhelming majority of miners to do anything about it. And the miners have to, uh, you know, are operating under that same game theory where they don't want to hurt their investment. And, and jeopardize the whole system. Yeah, you're, you're alluding to the loose game theory that exists and has been talked about over the course of the last 24 hours. And yeah, the coordination effort that it would take just to get the miners on board alone is, is something that seems massive um, to reorg it. So let's, let's jump into like the reorg versus double spend. Was there two different types of... No, no. So it was going to be basically what you do is... You send out... Yeah, since Binance has has the keys already, obviously, because it was their withdrawal transaction, mm -hmm. they can construct a new transaction that uh, instead of paying the hacker, pays the miners all the money. Not they they there's no situation here where Binance can get their money back. But what they can do is, uh, you know, theoretically, is they could burn. They could have burned. The, the hacker's money. Yeah, the so the hacker wouldn't get it. The miners would get it instead. Yeah, so the hypothetical was like set out a transaction for that 7,000 Bitcoin with like a 1,000 Bitcoin fee that would be divvied up between the mining. But the thing is, if, 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 the, if the thief realized at the same time, the thief could then reciprocate and the thief doesn't have to pay block rewards while Binance does. So the thief, so presumably it would turn into like a bidding thing back and forth where ultimately it just gets only the miners would get the money. Yes. And you would potentially do like a lot of damage to Bitcoin's credibility at the same time. So it's the um, it's no matter how you cut it, it doesn't really ever make any kind of logical sense. I don't think so. No, neither do I. And um, again, the loose game theory that exists, a lot of people. Yes. While this is technically possible, that's sort of uh, the first layer through which you look at this. If you dive deeper and think about the coordination effort, the incentives involved, the sunk capital and the hardware and energy uh, contracts, it becomes less and less likely that that miners would capitulate on this, in my opinion. Um, I agree. I would add, though, if something like this becomes a common occurrence, probably uh, lower the Bitcoin UX quality a little bit because you, the transactors would essentially need to wait for uh, more time before they're confident that, that their transaction actually went through. And uh, I think Marty <coughs> might crucify me for saying this on his podcast, but um, a little, uh, I think if, if something like this like actually becomes a, a frequent part of reality uh, without naming any specific names, but I will say that this might increase interest in um, assets where such reorgs are impossible. This is when you need like the bleep button. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you could say whatever you want on this podcast. I right? just, I just, I, I think like all of this is, uh, 
all this discussion is is it's really good that we've had this discussion on Twitter over the last 24 hours or whatnot. Um, I mean, it was really frustrating about to go to sleep and everyone freaking the fuck out. I was so happy I fell asleep but, early. Yeah, I just Tuesday. sent out like a quick tweet. I was just like, miners aren't idiots, and then I went to bed. But anyway, um, but I think it's important to realize that most of this discussion is is it's really like a it's a mental circle jerk. Like we're theoretically thinking of these these more far off issues because. If you look at if you look at the number of orphan blocks that Bitcoin has had over the last year and a half, like it's not that many. It's like I think it's like ten or fifteen or something like that, and they're all one one offs. You know, there's never. I mean, the the last. I don't know when the last time there was like a two block reorg, but it's been a long fucking time. So, you know, if that if it becomes if there if there is some type of issue there in the in the future where we see like fee sniping and stuff like that because there's not enough you know big enough transaction backlog then it can be addressed at that point as well yes um yeah, so overall i thought this was a great learning experience uh for any like the concept of coinbase transactions and the releasing of the block reward sort of came up so you freaks out there that don't understand or don't know how like the the release of bitcoins works the miner that mines a block um the first transaction in that block is the coinbase transaction which releases right now the 12 and a half bitcoin um that miners get for mining a block 100 blocks after that block is mined so uh that game that comes into the game theory as well the opportunity cost of receiving that block reward or um potentially like in a reorg not getting that uh when it's reorganized i i would really recommend um my friend's upcoming piece bitcoin the revolution in accounting and also his piece uh the ledger assurances and cryptocurrencies uh by this guy on medium and twitter known as permable nino uh he's worked in accounting like in actual uh like assurance companies for a couple of years so he brings a very unique perspective to the table and he actually uh, shine light on a very interesting sort of mental model where he says that technically fiat currencies, gold and cryptocurrencies, they're all similar in the sense that their moneyness comes from them being accounting tools. And the, like, the way they are valued over the long term is the trust in these accounting like institutions, right? And essentially he says that Bitcoin is much, much more trustworthy than anything we've had in the past without needing all these layers and layers of laws and people, etc. And he like talks about some of like both like external but also like intra blog dynamics as well and things like that. And it's just very interesting. So essentially the all of these forms of money are essentially Excel spreadsheets, metaphorically speaking. And essentially these different forms of spreadsheets are competing how much people believe in them and like them and have faith in like have faith in their strength. Yes. It's uh I saw an interesting tweet too. It's like Bitcoin's not perfect, but it's the best thing we have in these accounting systems. I forget who said it yesterday. Uh, out of all these accounting systems, it's the best we have right now. Um, yeah, but this Binance thing. Let's go back to like the Safu fund. Like, is that legitimate? Like, what is it? What is what it's, is going on there? It's. I think he takes a portion of fees, which are calculated in BNB, and then holds the BNB in, in like an insurance fund. Are you are you aware of this at all, Murad? Uh, yeah, it's uh, I believe is it ten percent of the fees. But it's all BNB, right? Yeah, it's I believe it's denominated in BNB. 
If that's the case, then that fund has been growing very substantially. But, but that's like a little bit ridiculous when like your insurance fund is 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 held in your centralized exchange token. Like that's like if, in any kind of real situation where you need an insurance fund, like BNB should be like in the shitter in terms of value. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess it would be more prudent to diversify it into a couple of other assets as well. But at the same time, BNB has been doing so well in the last four <laughs> months that really it's like it's the least it's the only crypto asset that's above its all time high among like the among the long existing ones. Right. And so um, it might not have been prudent, but thus far it has been a very wise decision on their part because it's as big as it could have been. Yeah, I just I, I, I question the, the use of the term insurance fund. Uh, when it's, you know, that's like, that's like saying, you know, like Coinbase has insurance because they like have a bunch of equity in their own company or something. I mean, and BNB is even worse because it's not even equity. Right. And past performance is an indicative of future results. No. <laughs> One day BNB, BNB is just going to go to zero. It's just you heard not it here. Gonna exist anymore. You heard it here first. And totally. you just never know when it's going to happen. It's well, going to be like... A, yeah, well, this, this instance in particular highlighted... Like Murad and I were shooting the shit about it before we started recording, like some of the incompetence that exists uh, at at the head of some of these crypto companies. Like a, a lot of these people are held on pedestals, but uh, right. they're they're okay to to go on Twitter and release a video saying that they're okay with rollbacks. Pretty obviously not understanding yeah. the whole gravity of the situation. Just like nonchalantly, <laughs> you know, and and he like so does he not? That's the craziest thing to me. Like, does CZ not have like? couple bitcoin wizards like working at his company that he could talk to instead of you know doing like a powwow with twitter people well, apparently he's he's uh hooking up with john mcafee now mcafee's gonna push him in the right direction that's good he's a very experienced cyber security expert yeah he's one I of mean, the best i'm not a distributed systems engineer myself but it's quite ironic how a lot of these types of uh events they often reveal that a lot of the times like even some of the biggest miners or some of the biggest exchange operators they're not necessarily like Bitcoin experts. They're just like doing their thing, you know? Yeah, and that but, sort of highlights the fact of how hard it would have been to coordinate too. Like, but you to don't do have to this. be a Bitcoin expert to realize that like six hours after your hack of only 7,000 Bitcoin, like you're not getting it back. It's nothing, you can do nothing with it. Yes. Um, another thing that's highlighted too, which I want to touch on before we move on to the next topic is this highlights maybe a, a benefit that BetterHash could provide if that mining pool um, software was adopted in which individual miners are able to construct their own block templates and you would have to coordinate with a lot more miners uh, to make this happen. Though there are uh, some, some trade-offs with BetterHash. The individual miners have to run their own full node. And like we just mentioned, uh, <laughs> not all, all these people running these businesses, minor, mining companies included, are as technically competent as, as uh, is assumed sometimes. But it's definitely a net positive because we'll get more full nodes, more miners running full nodes. I mean, better hash would just would absolutely enhance the game theory in this type of situations. Um, otherwise, like you're really relying on, you know, like ten to twenty people who run these pools to not act honestly, but just to act rationally, just to act in their own best interests and not act like complete fucking dumbasses. Like you need the majority of them to to not be dumbasses. So if we have like a larger pool of people that that are you know are but then enough will always not be a dumbass yes 
So let's try to better hash for a better future. Better phrase. hash for a better future. I love that. I love that. <laughs> we should put that on a hat. <laughs> we might. We may. Just one day. Speaking of hats, TFTC.io launched this week. Go check it out. There's hats for sale. Uh, I'm wearing one right now. There you go. Limited edition. Limited edition. Um, let's talk about our not on node, which got stolen overnight. Yeah, someone stole it yesterday. What happened there, dude? I don't. I, someone broke into our office and they they took our node. So uh, so now it's it's running on Tor only, and we we can't track them down. Mm-hmm. But it looks like uh, the person is is keeping it up and running. They have you know all the channels are still up and running. Looks like they're still targeting high uptime and that they'll reciprocate channels that are over 2 million sets. Well, good for whoever's running our node now. Yeah. I'm just glad. It seems like it's like a knowledgeable Bitcoiner is running it, so I'm, I'm, it's good to see. Good for him. Well, let's actually keep it. Since he's running it on tour last week, we touched on this. We weren't um, we weren't certain on... It kills LND, but it doesn't kill... Uh, it doesn't kill... Uh, f- Full node routing? The full node. The full node actually it broadcasts on, uh, it defaults to broadcast on, uh, my understanding is it defaults to broadcast on ClearNet and uh, and Tor. But if you wanted to do only Tor, Evan Kolodis. Uh, but this is, that's for the, like for if light- you run it on your computer or something, you're just in the config file, you put that. What is it? You do, uh, you go to the config file, only net equals onion. Yeah, only net equals onion. And then that way it'll only run on Tor. Yeah, and it won't, uh, if Tor goes down for some reason, it won't spread your messages to clear net. Correct. Yes. Um, so we'll, I think uh, Evan tweeted out a link to that GitHub of how to do that. So we'll put that out there as well. Um, so our lightning node, did we talk about it? No, we haven't talked about it. We I, don't have a lightning node anymore, dude. I know, but be- while we did have control of it, we didn't talk about this last week because this happened this week. Uh, Point seven four percent of uh, funds on Lightning were running through it at one point. Yeah, that's probably why the dude stole it from us. <laughs> and running on the Noddle too. What's that speak to the the powerfulness of of the Noddle? Dude, the Noddle like like I'm I'm not surprised that the that the thief turned on Tor because it's so easy on the Noddle. Like you just. You just click start tour, you check two boxes, and then the whole thing just switches over, gives you gives you an onion address, and you're good to go. All your channels are still up and everything. And now uh, the person running our node on tour can only uh, accept incoming channels from other tour users, correct? Yeah, my understanding is is your node has to be running on tour to connect to to the node running on tour, and. Uh, but but the reverse isn't true. So if you're running a Tor node, you're like a super user. Basically, you can you can hop between the two. You can open channels between the two. And I'm pretty sure if you be, so you open a channel with someone who is in the clear net, and so then they become your peer. I'm pretty sure they can open a channel back, but they can't just like preemptively open a channel with you. Yeah. But sure. we we need as everyone should be running, especially everyone running their personal node should be running it through Tor. And should be running a tour node as well. A uh, tour relay, yeah. Yes. And you know, it's like unconfirmed, but trying to get one click tour relay on the Noddle. So well, fingers crossed. Here's another shout out to the Noddle team. It seems like they're pushing out uh, updates every week. It's static back, uh, static channel backups now. Tour. Shout out to that team, Keto Miner. Yeah. So tour relays are basically tour nodes. Uh, for Tor, not for Bitcoin, but 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 Bitcoiners should be running Tor relay nodes because they're going to need them um, 
for running from running lightning uh over tour so do that do your part be aware um something else you freak should be aware of we officially have the first bip to be released that proposes uh schnorr signature among a bunch of other upgrades to be included into the bitcoin uh code via soft fork at some point in the future peter woola uh dropped the bip dash taproot bip uh which basically proposes that uh to get Schnorr in with the soft fork, but it would also include Merkle branches, mass, Merkleized abs- abstract syntax trees, uh, new sig hash modes, new opcodes like check sig from stack, tap root, graph root, Groot, and cross input aggregation. Uh, this is a number of upgrades that a lot of Bitcoiners have been talking for a while. Uh, the thing with Bitcoin development is uh, Bitcoin core team in particular likes to make changes as little as possible. Um, so this is a BIP, which includes a lot of things in one foul swoop, one soft fork. Nothing is a foregone conclusion. Everything that Peter Woola uh, sort of proposed still needs to be tested, reviewed, debated in public about uh, the trade-offs that are included. But it seems like on paper, I think I said in the bent earlier this week, uh, it would make the 2012 Miami Heat jealous of, of the incredible package deal this is. Um, Murad, do you have any thoughts on this? Rod's got no thoughts. That was one of my favorite uh, bent lines I've ever read. Before <laughs> I quoted that on Twitter. That was great. I literally chuckled. Um, yeah, I mean, this is great news. This is, it's just, uh, we're going to have like a lot of discussion about this over the next couple of weeks, months, um, hopefully not years. Yes. And, uh, yeah, so the if again this is not this particular package of proposed package is not a foregone conclusion it still has to be debated again the trade-offs how it would be soft fork uh, the the signaling for that but uh, if it is ever implemented it seems that it would provide uh, a bunch of uh, good things uh, particularly more efficiency more privacy uh, more functionality with off off-chain smart contracting functionalities and and other things right yeah my understanding is like the key the key thing is is it allows you to construct multi-signature transactions that it's impossible to tell how many signatures are in the transaction um and that's where you get like this 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 major privacy and efficiency gain um because you know We'll be able. I, I I I presume that we'll be able to do like coin joins, and no one will be able to tell that it's even a coin join in the first place. Stuff like that. Coin joins, uh, pit endpoint transactions, uh, a bunch of other things. So like BIP tap group does not. And uh, Blockstream developer tweeted this out earlier too. BIP tap group does not only allow N of N key path spending with Musig, but also K of N threshold signatures. Um, so this is it's just. I think it has something to do with Taproot and Graphroot, where those two um, additions in particular create like a more robust uh, uh, smart contract scripting language, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's cool. We'll post the link to that, that BIP in the, um, in the show notes, and I'm looking for something on Twitter right now that I watched yesterday. I think it would be cool, too. Yeah, so... Andrew Chow, um, he recently went to the San Francisco BitDevs meetup and um, presented partially signed Bitcoin transactions. It's a cool 30-minute video that we'll share in the notes as well. 
that um, doesn't particularly deal with this BIP at all, but I just had it on the top of my mind there. Um, yeah, so another thing that I touched on as well in that edition of the event is like hopefully we only have like a few more if that big upgrades like this where we're replacing parts like EC Schnorr signatures will replace ECDSA um, and we're able to start tightening screws more, get closer towards ossification. Yeah, this is a big step. Uh, this would be a big step towards towards ossification. G uh, give us some last critical things that we, we really need. Yeah, I would argue the biggest step towards ossification up to this point in Bitcoin's history. Um, I think it's a, if, again, and this is not a foregone conclusion at all. Peter Willow was, was very quick to come out on Twitter at people who- I we, love that. that was who thought this would be upgraded right away and say, hey, we need, we need to talk about these trade-offs. And- I, get, I mean, we don't have to go into like how you reach consensus about this. That's a conversation. I'm for sure it. we're going to be discussing this for week for years. Yeah, for yeah. for lots of weeks. For a while, um, it's going to be. This is the first of a reoccurring topic. <laughs> it's interesting you mentioned ossification because on a couple of podcasts, Adam ba Adam Back said that if there's any sort of superior technology or breakthroughs in these areas, then um, what what could happen in the far future is that they could simply move the UTXO set into a completely different sort of uh, underlying sort of ledger. So is this uh, is this a endorsement of ossification or uh, an argument against it? Well, it kind of challenges the idea that ossification is going to be something that stays intact forever. No, I agree with that. No, I wait. So basically. I've, I think I've said that to you on previous pods here, right? You, you might have. That I was like, have. even if it was some ridiculous technology that we couldn't fork in or anything, we could just take the UTXO set, start from the most current part of the UTXO set, and start that way, right? So which, which begs the question, when we value these assets, what's the underlying value? Like the legitimacy? Is the UTXO set. Is it That's the UTXO said. set? Or, yeah. or is it the actual underlying ledger? Which is the UTXO set. Well, it's the ledger the with the UTXOs in it. So the idea is that like the ledger of the future might look something completely different to what Bitcoin is today, right? Or any of these technologies. Like are the today. same but history. The, but the UTXO, like the ownership the same set history. would be the same, right? Yeah. Now, my question is, is it the history of transactions that's valuable or the tech? The history of transactions. And like the tech makes that history possible. You couldn't have the history without the tech in the first place. But it's the, that's why... That's why like Bitcoin is worth so much more than Bitcoin Cash and why Bitcoin Cash is just going to go to fucking zero long term in terms of Bitcoin. Because because Bitcoin is the most fair ledger that we have ever had, that we ever will have, and that can't be usurped. Whatever the current uh, the current farthest tip is, the dominant of the most dominant chain will be it would be what's valuable. History is sort of tied to the Lindy effect that, that drives its value as well, correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, so, like, I've theorized, like, I was, like, I was wondering, like, about speculative attacks, uh, like, farther down the line, let's say, like, some theoretical altcoin gets, um, starts gaining on Bitcoin in terms of, 
I guess, adoption or I, all these different metrics because all of them could be gaming individually. But let's just say it's gaining on Bitcoin. The way I see it is market cap is the only thing that matters. But that could be gamed in certain ways right. or whatever. Um, but let's just say it is. And so then Bitcoin, there's a fork of, of Bitcoin with just it's just an exact clone of whatever that alt chain is. But they just they just put the UTXO set, the Bitcoin UTXO set on. So like kind of like like a non scammy like Bitcoin private, like what happened with Bitcoin private, but no pre mine, like actual like respected developers, um, like an actual like real substantial improvement. Um, I think that if the market actually values the tech of that alt chain and it's not just pure speculative bullshit, then then the ultimate winner of those three chains will be the will be the you know the fork of the that 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 fork of the all chain with the Bitcoin UTXO seven. It's like the ultimate market way of just gobbling up your competitor. That's a fun hypothetical. Sometimes I wonder though whether sort of this line of thinking is simply Bitcoiners convincing themselves that like they will not lose money no matter what, or is this actual reality? No, so like, so let's run through like, let's run through like a scenario. Um, if, if you had, if you had like some like ridiculous situation where uh, SHA-256 was compromised um, and we, and we needed to uh, switch POW and we, and we switched, we switched to like script or something like that. Um, I think like, I, I think Bitcoin would overtake would overtake Litecoin and hash power like almost instantly um, if, if that situation sort of arose. And you and so that situation that people point to and say Litecoin is a hedge for Bitcoin and some kind of shot to six failure just makes zero sense to me because, of course, miners are going to they're going to be like, oh, my God, my ASIC is worth so much more money now. And yeah, um, the switching costs seem pretty arduous, too, at that point. What do you mean? In this hypothetical future of switching from Bitcoin to the quote unquote better, better chain, better tech chain. Yeah. The switching costs just of. I guess it also depends on like when that happens, because I guess at the moment, all cryptocurrencies are quite speculative collectibles to me. So we can be moving back and forth, but uh, I agree with you that if this happens like two way, way too down the line, then yeah, uh, there's certain network effects that are too tightly placed. Yeah. But yeah, like I feel like those network effects are like kind of in the UTXO set, right? Because that's where everyone's storing their money. Yeah, and that's the other question is like you say you think it's still in the speculative collectible um, phase. I don't know, man. Well, no I don't, one, I don't think anybody really uses Bitcoin to transact for like actual transacting purposes. And the like, yes, the, the chain is moving a billion dollars or more per day. But I think a lot of it has to do with the speculation itself. You know what I mean? has to do with exchange movements, ODC movements, trading, derivatives, options, things like that. It's, it's moving like $5 billion a day, isn't it? Is that what like Coinmetric said? Something like that. Because like, like I looked it up to post it to a Bcasher the other day. Because <laughs> he was like, oh, it's like a Ponzi scheme. You don't spend it. I was like, $5 billion, $5 billion worth of transactions per day. I mean, but is that really is is is... I mean, there's so many different characteristics of money, right? So, like, I would say that, um, like, hoarding Bitcoin isn't really as as speculative as as maybe like trading Bitcoin. 
Um, and like, I'd be hesitant to like bat- batch them into the two different categories because even though it is obviously like a speculative investment, it is also people saving money that they believe is harder money, um, which is exactly how you should use money if you find yourself with hard money in your hands, right? Yeah, and then you couple that with the fact like the infrastructure being built out right now, like particularly like things like Fidelity coming online and supporting Bitcoin only at the moment gives Bitcoin a huge advantage and sort of helps sort of protect it from from long-term uh, competitors, I would argue. helps. So again, there's like this threshold that will be reached. We don't know when it is. I believe we're closer to it than I believe you do, Murad, um, that we'll reach where it'll just be like, all right, it's it's too much to compete with. I agree with you. I think one of the biggest uh, and under-discussed strengths of Bitcoin is that it's much, much further ahead than any other crypto asset in terms of institutional adoption and financialization, institutionalization, things like that. Mm-hmm. Like people, frankly, all of these big institutions aren't working on like Ethereum gateways. A lot of them aren't, or Ethereum multisig, whatever, right? And, um, but they are working on Bitcoin. All of them are, right? So this is something that's like tough to achieve for sure. And Bitcoin has a huge, huge sort of advantage there. Yeah. It's like in terms of like robustness, like it's like not even close. Uh, like, like we were like all this discussion about like reorgs and all the other chains can get reorgs so much easier. 10x more susceptible. Yeah. I was talking about like Stellar who, you know, um, so like Stellar, like all it takes to, to freeze a transaction on Stellar is a fucking court order. Like, that's all you need. Didn't it come out this week that, like, Stellar, like, if you took out two of their nodes, it'd be completely unworkable? <laughs> yeah, I think it was something like that. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the thing. Like, people buying something like Stellar, it's just like, it's such a bad decision. Because, <laughs> like, so the way I see it, and I guess we've said this on this podcast many, many times now. Keybase is using it, bro. So, like, well, second of all, it's crazy how so many of these, like, technologists are into some of these relatively centralized altcoins without even thinking about sort of the monetary underlying effects, right? But essentially, why would you buy Stellar? Because all of these things are competing to be money, and something centralized will never be global money, like, period. So, it's already massively overpriced. Agreed. Hey, you're preaching to the choir here, bro. Same with Ripple. But, but, Yeah. I, I think that a lot of people, it's pretty crazy, uh, you know, with, with in the Bitcoin space and in this industry in general, you have the you have two sets of people. Uh, you have like the people who come at it from uh, like a money side and people who come at it from like a tech side. And you really have to have a little bit of both. Otherwise, you're blind, like you're totally. completely fucked otherwise. And now that's how that, you come to those conclusions. That being said, though, I think the in terms of valuation, like in terms of like the financial side of it, in terms of pricing it, the monetary side predominates. Because at the end of the day, when we price Bitcoin, we price it vis-a-vis fiat or vis-a-vis gold in a gold-like fashion. And in that sense, it's the monetary qualities that shine. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like people are cool with Bitcoin being slower than some other blockchains, but it doesn't matter because the, as long as the monetary and the ledger characteristics are strong, people don't mind that like it's, like less speedy than other things. This is the fastest in terms of well, sometimes security. I would even right. argue that right per uh, unit of security, it's actually the it's fastest. The fastest. Right, yeah. yeah, and I would argue that's that's this, again, Bitcoin is 
slow, dumb, and stupid. Like it's I, a feature. It's a feature. I value that. Per I value unit that. of immutability, it's the fastest. Yes, <laughs> by far. Like right. not even fucking close. No, the uh, what was that site? Um, somebody dropped a site a couple of weeks ago that that sort of visualizes the amount of tra- or com- confirmations you would need on other POW blockchains to attain the same level of uh, security that the Bitcoin blockchain has in six confirmations. And Ethereum is the closest, and it's like five x more time. Yeah. Um, and then like shit like SV, like like the limit doesn't exist. Like there's just no amount of confirmations <laughs> you can like ever accept. Yeah. Uh, it's fucking ridiculous. No, so great lessons on loose game theory this week. Happy, uh, happy that we've been talking about them. You know, there's another thing about the Binance hack. Um, remember when that Japanese exchange CoinCheck got hacked of like $500 million worth of NEM? Mm-hmm. Like they just froze that shit. They called up the NEM like president. And they were like, you have to stop that. And they just stopped it. Wow. Like that was that. Was that. And I think there was like some other super centralized shit coin in there too. Like Might a ripple or something. Something like that. Yeah. They just froze them all. Like that that was that. No discussion. None of that you know, bullshit. All right. Since we're back on the Binance hack, what if this hacker sends it this is actually a good segue too, sends it to a, a Wasabi wallet. Oof. You know, I kind of I was talking to someone like about this uh yesterday. Uh I'd prefer if if you're listening, humble Binance thief. Uh, you know, like, just, like, wait a little bit, you know? It's like the Satoshi, uh, thing to, uh, WikiLeaks. It's just, like, just wait a little bit. It'd be, like, it'd be better. Don't kick the hornet's nest. Well, it's not that. Like, I'm fine with kicking the hornet's nest. Like, we'll probably, like, eventually, like, Wasabi will have to be forked. And, uh, and, and, and the coordinator, whoever's running the coordinator has to be anonymous. Um, if they, like, go after no power on them. Um, but if they don't, then that's even better. You know, they're, they're not based in the U.S. Um, but I just think that people still are like, like I could already see like the FUD lines. We're like I want I like want as many people to use CoinJoin as possible. So I prefer if we don't have like like the David Schwartzes of the world and like the Vinnies and all them like fucking telling people that oh if they CoinJoin if they go if they use Wasabi like they're going to get mixed with the stolen Binance coins like that would um, that would it would just slow adoption. So I would just prefer if he if he she they didn't do it. You heard it. You heard it here from Adam Dow's mouth. Don't kick the hornet's nest of Wasabi, please. But if they do, it'll be fine. <laughs> I, I think that I think, look, at the end of the day, Wasabi can't handle the volume of, of 7000 Bitcoin. Um, it would literally take at current volumes. It would take them years it would take them like probably over two years to least. make sure they're not mixed with their own coins. Uh, yeah, because otherwise, like they're basically just mixing with themselves. Um, so it's not really practical if they want to do it on like a slower basis. In general, with these hacks, like the slower the attacker moves um, in liquidating the coins, the better off they are. You don't want to try and like move large amounts. But there's so many different ways they could use join market. They can go into you know, they can go into Monero, they can come back out, they can go through a bunch of different altcoins, they can go into, you know, sketchy exchanges, come out of sketchy exchanges. There's all different techniques you can do. Um, and they'll probably do things combined. Um, but I would just appreciate if they didn't just send it straight from the seven addresses they're in right now into Wasabi. That would be fucking great. <laughs> because everyone would know. 
Well, if you're not a if you're not the Binance hacker and you do want to use Wasabi uh, at Bitcoin or start the Bitcoin Dash Only dot com website at sixty one oh two Bitcoin on Twitter. Uh, recently released a new guide. It's a pretty good one. So you got we'll put that in the show notes. Oh yeah, this guy's great, out. and his website's really good too. Bitcoin Dash Only dot com. Mm-hmm. It's obviously it's all it's only Bitcoin content only. Um, another news item today: Honey Miner. Another stacking sats partner here at Tales from the Crypt. They released their their Mac software. So any of you freaks out there with Macs that want to take advantage of Honey Miner uh, to mine the the most profitable GPU mining. Uh, yeah, you mine shit coins and then they auto dump them and they pay you in satoshis. Yes, Murad, have you tried Honey Miner yet? I haven't. You should you should really try it. Um, my girlfriend like the the way she knows the Bitcoin price is the amount of like the value of our Satoshis that we've mined with Honey Miner. It's just a fucking badass interface. You've used it, right? I have used it. It's yeah, a very cool one. It's a really it's just like they gamified it. And uh you're really doing you're gonna lose money doing it because it's you use more electricity than you get paid. Um but So why would I do it? Well because you know you're getting like KYC list Bitcoin. Sure. Um you're truly stacking sats on like a rolling continual basis. So and like if I believe that you, that you added down downside pressure on the altcoins, Yes, right? that's the, I was just getting there. That's the best part. You're literally doing like you're basically speculative attacking uh, alt. Yeah, whatever the most most profitable altcoin is at a given time. Yeah. And and pumping the price of Bitcoin because you're buying little little bits of Bitcoin right. with it. That's it's funny you say like it's not profitable right now, but yes, you get fresh Satoshis and stuff like that. But that made me think of uh, Try Lolly. And a lot of people were, were talking on Twitter this week about using Lolly. And eventually, like Bitcoin, hyper-Bitcoinization does happen. Uh, people could basically be shopping for free right now. Mr. Uh, Hoggle really likes them. Yeah, yeah, he loves them. Uh, did you see like uh, Schmeagel or whatever got like $125 reward from Overstock? I did not see that. Yeah, 2.5 million Satoshis. Shop. Wow! Uh, Talk about stacking like sets massive. while shopping. You yeah. shop if you guys got. Let's, if you guys got any big trips planned, you're buying flights, staying at hotels. Just use Lolly. Lolly is pretty ridiculous. Yeah, um, that's pretty fucking crazy. And just always just use Wasabi afterwards. When you withdraw from Lolly, use Wasabi. When you withdraw from Cash App, use Wasabi. When you withdraw from Honey Miner, use Wasabi. Make sure you have enough sats to meet the limit for the the uh, the mixing. Protect your privacy. Yes. Um, speaking of protecting your privacy, Samurai, you've tested out their Whirlpool. How was it? Pretty great. It's pretty great. What was the experience like? Uh, so you run like an app on your computer and you like pair it with your phone and then it does, it does these. So, so Wasabi does like these bigger mixes, like, uh, hundred participants, uh, bigger amounts, point one, uh, Samurai goes with like five participants with a smaller amount with the idea that you can then keep repeating it how often, how many times you want. Um, but you can get like decent amount of privacy, like quicker. Yeah. It's just good to see more options. And, you know, right now they like the plan is they don't have this set up yet, but the plan is, um, you know, you'll be able to just spend it from your Samurai while on your phone and it'll already be mixed. Uh, because like you're running the the actual mixing client on your computer or your noddle or something like that, 
Uh, so you just you would pull out your samurai wallet, you'd have your spending cash, and it would already be ready for you. Be able to use privately. Yeah. So that interface, I I, I think I'm most excited about um, the mobile to node interface, and I just in general, like I like like I want to see more companies, yeah, just, uh, and projects working on the the mobile too. Yeah. So speaking of that, I've had experience, a lot of experience with that over the weekend when we were setting up the TFTC.io um, full node and lightning node. I was able to use Zap. Zap has their iPhone app out and it's fucking incredible. Like like you said, scan a QR code and you're able to control the node from your phone. It was honestly like over this weekend I was pretty busy, but I had to set up channels and preparation for the site going live. And I was just able on the go to open channel with you, Pierre, BitRefill have you guys reciprocate and accept on the go. It was insane. And the UX is, um, the Zap app in particular is, is is better than any I've seen in this space. And quite frankly, like it, it, it's the most fun app I've used, not even Bitcoin related in, in quite a while with how easy they made it. So shout out to Jack Mahler's and team on that. Yeah, I fucking love Zap. Zap is awesome. I This is the first time I ever got to see the mobile app because I'm on Android. It's like, that's, I haven't, in this space, usually... Android gets all the good stuff, so well, this is a new one for me. Yeah, I'm glad to have this over you. But you were experimenting with AB Core over the weekend too. Yeah, it takes a while to, uh, to you know, to synchronize. All right, so let's talk about it. so for you I'm freaks. I'm really excited about it. I'm like at like 45 percent or 50 yeah. percent or something. So we've talked about this on TFTC before. If you freaks don't know, AB Core is uh, basically allows you to run. F- Bitcoin full nodes on Android devices. Udi Worthmeyer and uh, Bitcoin Larry are working on it. And why? What put? What pushed you to download? There was something in particular so that pushed you to download ass. it. Okay, so, so, so Larry works on on Green Wallet, which is Blockstream's wallet, Green Address. Uh, that's like it's by far the best mobile wallet on iPhone, and it's like it's like up there with Samurai on Android. Um, it's like this two of two multi-sig uh, product where they have one key, you have one key, and then there's a time lag and it pays back to you. So then they came out with AB Core, which is a separate Android app that is Core, the most recent version of Core, run on any Android device that automatically has Tor enabled. Um, so, so then it has, so it displays a QR code for you. And then you, so you take one Android device, let's say like a leftover Android device you have, or like a cheap Android TV for like 50 bucks, whatever. You install AB Core on it, then you scan it with your phone with green address, and then your green address wallet. Is watch only? Use, can use, no, it just verifies with your full node, but it, the wallet is the multi-sig green address. Ah. Yeah. yeah. You're using your own full node. It's, again. Run on an Android phone, or like a... Android tablet or something. Slowly but surely, this stuff's getting built out. This has been the best bear market, fundamental-wise, ever. And I think this last week in particular is evidence of that. We have Bitfinex followed by Binance one week after the other, and the price has gone through $6,000. So let's talk about price. Murad, you're the chart whore in the room right now. What are you, what are you saying? Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with you. Um, the market, the market uh, taking the Tether fiasco and the Binance hack, what, in the span of two, two and a half weeks, in such a stride. We went is, up. We kept going up. It's extremely bullish. As equities are falling, too. You, you know what, the, as equities are falling, too. You know what they're saying in, um, 
in bear markets, good news don't matter. In bull markets, bad news don't matter. And I think that the fact that we went from 5,100 to almost 6,100 in essentially despite these news, or rather in spite of these news, makes me very bullish. I, I'm, I'm short-term bullish, and I'm long-term bullish. It's pretty crazy, right? That it just keeps it, that it just powered right through both of both of that. Totally. Bitfinex and Binance. Well, it would be remiss of us if we didn't bring up our bet. Matt and I are winning right now, um, but I do think we should touch on. We made our bet, and you guys were using indicators that used information from blockchain.info that threw off those indicators. Can you explain what was going on there? Yeah. So um, some of our indicators that made us particularly bearish. We've realized that we rely too much on blockchain.info data. Um, from what I hear is some of the heuristics that blockchain.info has been using for several years now. Um, due, to, due to the fact that blockchain.info itself is not very popular anymore and their whole suite of products isn't as popular anymore, some of those heuristics don't give the correct adjusted volume anymore. It essentially overextends. It, it, it gives... Sometimes it gives higher values than is necessary. Sometimes it gives the lower values as necessary. Luckily for us, um, CoinMetrics has come up with an alternative product of the same sort, which we believe is giving much more accurate signals. And we've been we've switched to them since early March, and we've been very happy with the product so far. Let me be clear: blockchain.info is both malicious and incompetent, right? And that is why their data <laughs> sucks, right? I'm I, I wouldn't be surprised if. Five years from now, they would essentially be completely irrelevant. They don't even, you can't even look up a SegWit address on blockchain, blockchain.info. They don't exist. That's why uh, we're using blockstream.info now. Yeah, or OXT.me. OXT.me as well. But yeah, I think you guys are winning this third bet. Um, I wouldn't. You were pretty I, confident last time. No, I said I wasn't as confident about the previous one. If we you should, were using it. I can't believe. I said this one is like more like even the I know, but one originally I originally we went to dinner where i bought you guys dinner for the previous bet yes right and it was a very generous dinner right very big and, dinner. and and we were we were all drinking you weren't drinking with us right i was not and we agreed to uh to like a ridiculous you were like i'm done with dinners i've won too many dinners and we agreed to like this ridiculous bet where we we're going to like you loser would have to take the others to Fiji or something like that. To Bali was to it? Bali. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next morning I woke up and I was like, that is just like way too, you know, <laughs> outrageous, extravagant. Like that'd be absolutely ridiculous. Like especially, I couldn't like especially if we were to lose that. Yeah. Bet. If we, yeah, I would. It was just it would have been in poor taste. Like in either way. And then we switched it to uh, the Nobu dinner. Right. Um, but like just from those actions, like you were so pretty confident lose, about it, I right? Just, you were I, like really confident like to, about it. It was like $3,400. Like it's so far away now. I would like to reiterate that if you guys win this one, the current score would still be 2-1 in my favor because I did win two of them before that, right? No, we'd be, Marty, we'd be right, tied. Right. You were Marty's on my side winning. the previous one. Yeah, yeah right, we'd be tied. Right. Yeah, Marty is... But me just, against you, Matt, would be 2-1. The whole bear market was Marty's fault. If Marty had just yeah, went on I, my side with the bet, then it just would never would have happened. That's that was right. the issue. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, freaks, for making the bear market uh, drag on a little longer. Marty manipulates. He manipulates the market. I needed to stack more sats. I'm sorry, guys. He was the hundred million dollar man the other day. <laughs> the Reuters. I fucking wish. Reuters. Reuters. On Reuters. April second. Yeah. yeah. Were you uh, Were you watching the charts around that time? I was. Yes. What What were you saying? Was it crazy? Uh, yeah, I mean, it happened literally in like one, one and a half hours. So yeah, it was crazy. 
It's the best. <laughs> That's the best part of Bitcoin. I like I from what I've read, like it was deliberately planned to make it as sharp as possible. Like they even picked like 430, which is like the least volume during the day, uh, UTC, like around the world to just where the order books are the thinnest. So you just pierce through them. You know what I mean? <laughs> Beautiful. Imagine what, you know, millions of people can do if that's what a few people can do. I think like the people who are surprised by what's been going on in the last month, month and a half are are soon going to be surprised by even bigger moves in the upcoming bull market because I think it's going to get crazy. I think like maybe I don't know if it's going to be this next cycle or the one after, but maybe even possibly this cycle. There's going to be a global scramble for Bitcoin and it's just going to get market bought every day. No one's going to sell. Like exactly. There's going to be no Bitcoin to sell. That's going to be fucking crazy. I mean, again, we we've been cautioning not to hold your breath for the institutional money meme. But it seems like we're getting a little closer. It seems like. So people, like, the people uh, always, like, FUD Bitcoin saying that, oh, there's, like, no cash flows behind it or whatever. But that's actually a very, an amazing thing. Because there's no cash flows, it's not tied to anything, like, real. And, like, money is valued purely psychologically, right? So if a big chunk of important people around the world decide that Bitcoin is actually a thing, it will skyrocket in, like, in a week. Yeah. Well, we'll be here uh, reporting if any of those... Big important rich people decide that Bitcoin is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm just glad to have you back on our side. So I mean, we can't really make any. Can we? It is impossible to make bets here because we're just all bullish. Well, right? we have to wait for the first bet to, to finish to make more bets. We can't compound bets. I'd rather not. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll come on the show if you guys want me here after the next bet is uh, over. What was that August, right? Yeah, yeah, August August first. August first? Yeah, if the price is oh, over boy. if the price is over thirty four hundred dollars, we win. <laughs> oh the bet. my god. Thirty four twenty one. I'm losing that XBX price. I'm losing that with like ninety nine percent probability. <laughs> Essentially. Um Yeah. Next topic that we have is a small one, but funny one nonetheless. Uh, talking about quote unquote Bitcoin competitors, it came out this week that uh, one person is in control or excuse me, is uh, responsible for 50% of the Bitcoin cash transactions, um, whether this is to, uh, it doesn't look like it's to inflate the transaction. Doesn't, it just look, yeah, it just looks like it's a poor use of the blockchain. Yeah. And it's just transaction fees are non-existent. So there's no reason to not just spam the blockchain with a bunch of content. So they just, they just do it. I think Nick said like it costs them like $240 in fees or something for the day to just like fill up the chain. Yeah. So be aware, but just and also like it's another reminder that if you're looking at low fee networks or no fee networks, like they're going to obviously game their transaction counts because they can. They can just send millions of transactions back and forth um, without paying any fees or paying minimal fees. And first of all, and that definitely comes with a cost because it comes to a cost to the to the node operators that have to to deal with all that additional data. It's like that cost is pushed off and it's, it's not actually no fee. Yeah. And it highlights the fact that these systems, the metrics can be gamed pretty, pretty easily. Yeah. And if, and if you, yeah, low fee networks, basically like they make it seem, um, they value the short term over the long term, long term, it, it'll, it'll lead the chain to being absolutely fucked, but short term, it gives the appearance of, of cheaper, cheaper transactions. 
And uh, one thing to note is even with this one service spamming transactions, like Bitcoin Cash still has like absolutely, like even though they can game Bitcoin Cash transactions, they're not even bothering. They're still way, way beneath uh, Bitcoin's um, number of transactions. So that's pretty interesting. What are you looking up over there? Looking up our sponsored shout out for the week. Um, that's it. That's all we have for topics. Let's uh, let's riff on some stuff. We got the Bitcoin Rabbi's book here. We do have Bitcoin Rabbi's book. Shout out to the Bitcoin Rabbi for sending us a couple books and signing them. Um, pretty pumped to share these with uh, with the youngins of my family. I'm gonna keep mine in mint condition and huddle the shit out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I'll buy some other ones to share. You got the autographed one, you know, you can't, I'm not going to give an autographed one to a kid. Like that goes against my whole belief system. So Murad, what do you think, uh, what are you most excited about over the next three months here? Um, I think it's fair to say that we are in the early stages of the next bull cycle. So I'm really excited for the price to finally be heading in the upward direction. Um, personally, the reason I'm super excited is because I was waiting all, um, I was waiting all bear market to finally move all of my assets into cryptocurrencies because I don't like dealing with the, like the fiat banks and the, and the, and the traditional banking system that much, but now being 100, like genuinely, like this is kind of a cliche, but I'm actually like talking about my real life right now. Um, like being 100% in control of my wealth and being able to like send it anywhere, wherever I want without sort of waiting for the weekend to be over or waiting for yeah. four hours to pass or whatever uh, is just something that brings me great joy and bliss. Damn right. That's awesome. And I just sat down with Judith Chow from Ledger X and she was explaining like just like the access to collateral for options desks like hers is, is something that's unparalleled. And again, like I don't, I feel like most people in the world do not fully grasp this. Most people in the world do not fully grasp Bitcoin, but this, this uh, revolution in itself is huge. Totally. There's a whole sort of slew of second and third order effects, which like make finance more efficient, make uh, like industries more efficient, etc. But so I absolutely agree. And like, so we've had this discussion before between like censorship resistance and, uh, immutability uh for that for those properties to exist like we need we need like privacy tools like wasabi and stuff like if you can't use bitcoin privately then you know forget about sending on weekends you might not even be able to send it anyway right for sure yeah. that's uh that's all we have for topics this week um yeah just a little maintenance here we launched a site this week and we're, we're experimenting with some some cool things, one of which is the ability for you freaks to to purchase shout outs and sponsored quote unquote sponsorships of the podcast. It's something we like to move to in the long term, hopefully if it's possible. Um, a, a user supported model. This is the beginning steps. Uh, we had one freak buy a contribution this week, Pedro, and he said value for value model. Nice listeners as producers of the show. I like it. And he shared, shared a YouTube video of Adam Carey sort of explaining what they're doing. Um, with the No Agenda podcast and their user sponsor model. So I will put that in the link and shout out to Pedro. Awesome. That's pretty badass. Our first shout out. First shout out. Um, 
Yeah, we've got a few more Sup Freaks hats available on the site as well. So you want to go to tftc.io slash merch. We're almost out, I think, right? Almost out, yes. Um, yeah, so it's it's been a cool experience. It's been fun. Like I said, it's an MVP, uh, and we're going to build on it and create more reasons for you freaks to visit the site in the future. I'm very excited about it. It's it's looking pretty good. It's, it's a good start. It's not perfect. It's a good start. What I like BTC Pay Server, man. Playing with that has been so much fun. Like being able to to sort of brand your own invoices has been cool. Dude, the branded invoices is so fucking slick. And, it's fucking badass. And like Murad was saying, it really highlights the power of of having control of your own money. Like I've connected my treasure to our BTC Pay Server, and I have full control of the money that's coming through our website, which is crazy. Yeah, it's pretty fucking badass. Yeah. Um, so again, shout out to Pedro for the shout out. Um, definitely go check out the website. Murad, do you have a last parting note for the freaks out there? Nothing specific today, but I would say, uh, don't short this market anymore. Um, I frankly, I think the wisest thing to do from an investment or and trading standpoint is to be long biased here Buy all the dips. I think all the dips have been getting bought very, very quickly and will continue to do so. Um, like don't short, like a lot of people are short right now and it's going to, uh, be very, very bad for them in my opinion. Did Bitcoin Tina get to you? Uh, Bitcoin Tina did not get to me. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Bitcoin Tina was telling me to go long since 7,000, right? Um, and like sooner or later, of course, when you're perma bullish sooner or later, you're going to be correct. <laughs> That's my strategy. Today he's correct. And for the next three years, as I've told him, he will be celebrating and he will be celebrated. But... <laughs> um, like I like to be a little bit more nimble and adaptable with my personal portfolio, but it's time to be long now. I, I have two questions. Do you think we're going to fall below 5,000 before 8,000? The two scenarios that I'm looking at right now is we either we, we come to like 63, 64 and stick there before moving even further up or we go to 5k and that will be the lowest we'll see. Like around 5k ish. Around 5k ish. Um, and my second thing is altcoins have been getting absolutely slaughtered. What are your feelings about that? I think the altcoins, so essentially all altcoins underperformed Bitcoin in the month of April. Like that's, it's ridiculous. By actually, like a lot, like Ethereum was lot, down right. like 30% so or something. It's actually 20%. absolutely. Cr- so two things I'll say here. It's crazy that. Bitcoin, despite its massive size and being order or orders of magnitude bigger than than any altcoin, has outperformed in the month of April. But it shows two things. It shows, I think it's the first evidence of my theory that the median IQ of the space cycle to cycle is increasing. People are, people are going to Bitcoin first and foremost. And second of all, um, and this is more on the speculative side for the traders out there, I think Check the perform rank the performance of all the altcoins versus Bitcoin in the month of April. I think those that have underperformed Bitcoin the least are the ones being accumulated by quote unquote smart money right now. You heard it here. Check it out. Could it be? Could it be the great? Finally, Bitcoin pulling away from the rest of the pack is. It gonna, could it be a return to like the status quo? Do I like I? Do you think? 2017 do you think that'll ever will ever have like an altcoin boom like 2017 i think investors and funds and trader strategy has to adapt uh the 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 easy life and the dream where you can buy like four shit coins and just get rich in the span of two years is probably gone 
you have to become a little bit more intelligent and a little bit sort of more focused to make money in this market. Um, Bitcoin will probably start dominating even more. Um, as I've said a couple of times here and elsewhere, I think um, something like December where 100 shitcoins going 100x in one month is probably a thing of the past. Um, I think there will be maybe like half a dozen altcoins that outperform like bottom cycle to the very, very top. But there will be fewer and far in between than in the past. Um, I think Bitcoin should be like the core part of your portfolio without a doubt. And then uh, like don't gamble too much on other things. Yeah, no, it's and again, it's like what we we're touching on earlier, what, what is the threshold at which there what is the point of no return? Um, and like you said, it does seem like the market is wising up uh, with this this disconnection of the prices in April in particular. And more interestingly, is the last five days uh, sort of disconnection from the equities markets as as they've been trembling and Bitcoin has been been rising against them. It's a very short term uh, period to to benchmark those two markets against each other in particular, but it is an observation nonetheless. I, mean, I think I think like the the most important question in cryptocurrency in terms of like trying to make money is figuring out like how winner take all this market is going to be right and that's like something that's discussed almost every day by us it's discussed by all our friends and by all the people right so like it depends on how dominant you think bitcoin is going to be if it's going to take 95 percent of the market that's like one scenario right you're probably going to just go leverage bitcoin if it's going to be more like uh like Pareto style three or four juicy blockchains for the foreseeable future which is what i think is going to happen and like you you have like bitcoin at 70 number two at 20 number three at eight number four at two etc right um if you have something like that then you can make money with number two and number three but it kind of depends on your view i will say what i'm doing with my portfolio is um I'm dedicated, and this is not with the fund, but the, I can't talk about that, but this is with my own personal portfolio. Um, I'm doing essentially Bitcoin hold, uh, various sort of leveraged uh, Bitcoin future plays, and uh, I'm doing a small decred hold, and then I'm trading with the, with the other sort of 35 to 40%. Thank you for sharing that. We appreciate you. Transparency. It's a... Uh highly touted in this in this industry um like i personally i you know i, I don't think shit like altcoins are going anywhere um i don't think shit coins are going anywhere uh i think they will probably and be be around in different incarnations forever uh with some coming and most going and new ones coming and just always constantly with bitcoin just sitting on top um, like in like a 90%, 90, a little bit higher than 90% type position. The bigger uh, Bitcoin gets though, the harder it is for a brand new altcoin to even uh, pretend that they can achieve something significant. Yeah, but they'll never be... They'll, the, the only time anybody has ever attempted to flip in Bitcoin is really Ethereum. Like every other time it was like my altcoin is the silver to Bitcoin's gold. And that was fueled by the ICO mania. Yeah. And they would, you know, yeah. And they got like, they Which got a little bit carried happen. away about it. Yeah. So like uh, a that lot of. That probably won't happen that much like, anymore is what I don't think. Like three things I'll say, like a lot of VCs and investors in the space, they think that the best risk reward in is in the 
coins or or tokens or crypto assets that haven't like that haven't been released yet i disagree i actually think that the best risk reward is in the assets that already exist because once again they're thinking about it in terms of tech like oh i'm going to find like uh, the newest and greatest. I'm going tech. to find like the Facebook to the MySpaces, right? But this is totally wrong. It's it's about like entrenched moneyness, and that takes time. Time isn't something you can fake, right? And it, it, it time isn't something you can catch up to quickly, right? By definitionally. Two, um, I think you see like a lot of uh, like uh, heavy altcoin investors cling on cling and do their absolute best to try to amplify every single piece of Bitcoin fud. Like, oh, like every little thing that comes up, you see people like Emin Gensir and yeah. a couple of hedge fund managers Shit without naming control. any other additional yeah. names. But they always like make any teeny tiny problem or concern with Bitcoin seem like a much bigger deal than it is. And when you dig deeper, you realize it's either an altcoin creator that's uh, whose coin is about to be released <laughs> or it's like a VC fund that's like, that's like balls deep in safts that are completely illiquid. Or it's somebody who is simply, um, who's, because here's the thing, right? Like every hedge fund manager, and frankly, like, I mean, it, even I have to balance this with the strength of Bitcoin, to be completely frank with you. Every hedge fund manager, VC or whatever, their dream and something they dream about before they go to sleep is catching, is like Bitcoin failing for some reason and them catching like the 10,000x or 1,000x with its replacer. But like, I have to be honest, like every day that passes, it's less and less likely that's going to happen, right? It's, because it's Bitcoin is strong, right? And uh, essentially, like you will, you will see a continuation of this because anybody who manages money, either a large sum of money for themselves or for other people, or even frankly, individual investors, like their dream is to be the person who catches like those massive returns. But the thing is, I think those, like, those easy gains are probably gone. And the last prediction, like not prediction, but kind of view I will express is that I think all this, all this like tokenomics, all this like all the all the ICO, all the DAB bullshit is essentially gone. Even sort of the quote unquote normie VCs that I've, I'm talking lately, they're coming around to the idea that the narrative for the next market is probably going to be like store of value, money, or store of value, store of value centric, right? And um, I think like that's what you should be focused on. Yeah, the, those token economic bullshit never made any sense. <laughs> They all could just use money instead. Right. They don't need a fucking token. Well, Ether's money now. They just rebranded. Uh, I think uh, like for for like full transparency's <laughs> sake, I think there will be like a couple of um, like tokens, kind of like Numerair or Ogre, whatever. If they get huge volumes, then like that acts as like a proxy for a cash flow, kind of similar to an equity, you know, kind of like a taxi medallion, right? Work tokens, they call them these days. But um, like... Just looking at the usage right now, it's still quite abysmal. Like theoretically, there is a path towards uh, making money there, but I think like the best risk reward is once again in the sort of the store of value place. Yeah, it's um, no like you were saying like the churn is probably going to continue. I think believe it was blockchain capital released a GIF of basically the churn that's happened uh, with Bitcoin and all coins under it, the top ten coins over the last ten years. And you see Bitcoin standing strong as the strongest coin and the bottom nine uh, of the top 10 sort of switching pretty, pretty rapidly over the last decade. So, yeah, yes. none, like almost none of the last top 10 are, are back, you know, like in the last cycle, the top of the last cycle. Not even just the last cycle, the cycle yeah. before that and the one before exactly. that as well. Um, no, but I agree as well. I think uh, this stuff is open source. People are, again, just 
going to be attracted to the ability to to spin these these networks up and and attempt to to squeeze yield out of them. Um, so I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. But I do think that uh, Bitcoin's dominance is becoming more and more cemented per block. Yeah, no well, pun intended. Absolutely, pun definitely intended. <laughs> uh, all that shit is just it's it's mostly a distraction. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all we have for this rabbit hole recap. You get Freaks got an extra 15 minutes this week. Shout out to our sponsors, Unchained uh, and Cash App. And shout out to uh, our user sponsor, Pedro, this week. Stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love, freaks.